powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Tony Richards, your master coach here and host of Better Than Before. Got a great show lined up for you today. On the program, my special guest is Shane Foss. Shane is the CEO of Hooray Health. As the current founder and CEO of Hooray Health, Shane's grown a small healthcare startup into a national network of members and providers. His work at Hooray Health gained him recognition for his leadership and a nomination for CEO of the Year by D Magazine. And I'm excited to have Shane here. We've been trying to get him on the show for probably a year and a half or so. And we're finally going to have him here today. So Shane Foss will be here in just moments. And I'm also going to share with you later on in the show, three key questions that you can use to journal for your thoughts or also to coach yourself along with my thoughts about the questions and how they might be able to help you. Today's Better Than Before show is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Stand by, Shane Foss will be my special guest coming up next here on Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Back to better than before. My special guest today is Shane Foss, and he's built himself into uh, quite the business leader and innovator through more than 20 years of a tenure as an executive in the medical industry. With humble beginnings at the University of the Incarnate Word, Shane would go on to earn an MBA from Rice University with lessons that would last him a lifetime. He's a veteran of the United States Air Force, where he completed a surgical technologist certificate, and he would use his love of medicine to fuel his venture into the private sector. He's been placed in notable leadership roles, such as Chief Commercial Officer of ProNerve, the Chief Financial Officer of Employer Direct Healthcare, and a partner at Castle Development Group. 
He's worked negotiating complex multi-million dollar contracts and worked in device sales management, create business strategies and optimize P&L before starting his own business targeting affordable health care named Hooray Health. At Hooray, Foss and his team focus on offering peace of mind to lower income individuals and families who face medical challenges while also providing business owners with an affordable way to reward and retain employees. And that's something that's really needed in today's business environment. And I'm really happy to welcome onto our program today, Shane Foss. Shane, coming to us from the great state of Texas, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Tony. Really look forward to the conversation. You bet, man. Well, listen, one of the things, and I've been looking forward to your visit, one of the things I wanted to ask you, especially in reading that last line of your bio about rewarding and retaining employees, Mm-hmm. What are you finding out there about what is being called by the media and other pundits, the great resignation? Yeah, well, the great resignation is real. And I'll tell you that, you know, it's interesting is initially we knew that there was going to be a large retirement population 2030, but they COVID really pushed that up. And I think we all have friends. We're about, you know, we're the same age where you have friends that are like, you know what? I'm out. There's too much risk. I've made enough money. I don't need any more. I'm fine. I love work, but I don't want to get exposed. I want to spend time with my family. Right. And, you know, that's great for them. And so you've got, what, 10, 15 million people left for that. So that left a big void. Then you've got other people that were working part-time jobs where they may have gotten a little bump but they were the frontline workers with COVID and they're kind of like, man, there's gotta be a better way to make a living out there. So I think a lot of people went to gig economy jobs. I mean, that's compound annual growth rate of 17, 18%. So the great resignation is now you've got all these people that are looking for alternatives. And then now with inflation going up, you've got wages going up. So people are trying to attract talent with just higher wages, which is great, but benefits are essential now. So you've got a lot more organizations that are even looking at part-time benefits for their employees to recruit and retain their talent. And so the great resignation is real. It's really interesting. I think that people with, since COVID have just really reevaluated what their goals are, what they can live on. Do they really need the most up-to-date iPhone? I don't know. I think it's good and it's, but it's also troublesome because we had opening day for the Rangers here uh, last week. And they had to ship people up from Houston to help cover the concessions because they didn't have enough people. I've been in a lot of restaurants where they'll have you wait and there's a lot of empty tables. They just don't have the people to cover it all. Right. It's going to be something that we're going to have to learn to deal with. And what's exciting though, is that with every challenge like that, there's a huge opportunity. And I think for the population at large, I think that it's going to help them hopefully increase in status. You look at the pundits, everybody always talking about, oh my God, increased wages are going to kill America and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not joking. I've got a Taco Bell that literally is a mile from my house. And I was driving through there about a month ago or two months ago. I almost fell over $18 an hour plus benefits. They're recruiting people. So I buy the Taco Supreme meal. I don't know. It cost me eight bucks. I probably cost me six bucks a year ago, I guess. I don't know, but did it break me? Did it, you know, was I upset about it? Hey, look, if that's what it's got to take to get people to work and do that, I guess God bless them. But 
it's like gas prices. We all look at them and we all complain about them or whatever, but I don't notice any less people on the road. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's more people on the road. You got to get to your job. The majority of our people work remote now and they love it because they don't have any gas or tolls. Dallas, you have toll roads, which is another tax basically. And so that's great for people. But the reality is we live in our cars, right? We, you know, we're driving everywhere and we're not like New York that you can walk every place or take city transit. So well, yeah. this, the system out there is full of cash too. You know, a lot of people are cash flush. And so like yeah. you said, it's a couple more bucks for the taco meal or whatever, but I'm hungry. So right, uh, it's not a big deal. You spent a long time in your career and let's say in the corporate, you know, you were mm-hmm. a couple of different corporate positions, but then you decided to go in with your own idea and your own business. Mm-hmm. How'd you come to that? So I've always been an entrepreneur. And I think that when you define entrepreneurism, sometimes you're working within the confines of a corporation. And so for me, when I was with Striker Orthopedics, we were very entrepreneurial. When you're in sales and you control your own destiny by the work that you put in and you've got to be creative and you've got to work within parameters within your organization, but you're still very entrepreneurial. When I left there, the last organization that I worked with, Employer Direct, we sold the organization and I was there a while and I just kind of got out and said, you know what, I'm ready. So we looked at and evaluated the market. I really loved the employer benefit space because I thought there was a huge opportunity to improve it and the market's huge. And so those are two opportunities that are positives. And so when I had the idea, I started really talking around. I, I really didn't know the insurance space that, that well. And so When I started talking to people and everybody's eyes would light up and say, man, that's great. This makes sense. You could do this. And so you get to know me at all. I'm a talker. (laughs) Anybody listening to this will laugh because that knows me because I'm a talker and I love man. That's fine. You talk away because they get to hear me every week. They're interested in hearing you. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's fun because I'm always uh, genuinely interested in people and what their opinions are and what they do. And I really learned that from my grandfather and I started talking to a lot of people and really we started boiling it down to what is the opportunity and we put together a business plan and I just started executing on it and I did it myself like a lot of entrepreneurs I just really bootstrapped it kind of put it together and I built a really nice little provider network with a $25 copay with no balance bill and when you look at the trends in the market today most people so millennials especially don't even have a primary care physician. And it's interesting because we've always been taught our generation, our parents' generation, you're patient with your physician, right? Look, it's going to take you two weeks to get an appointment. You're going to go to that appointment. You're going to wait three hours in the office. You you take the day off, right? Well, God bless millennials because they're saying, I am not doing that. And I want to be seen immediate. I want a same day appointment. And by the way, I work all day. Why do I need to take a day off to go see a doctor? So the urgent cares and retail clinics have become this really preferred method of care. They're open seven days a week. They're open until eight o'clock at night. And so recognizing that we went to the urgent cares and we got a $25 copay with no balance bill. So anything, any service rendered under the roof of that facility, we cover paid at hundred percent, except for the $25 copay. And so now when you look at what the problem that we're addressing is, when you go in traditionally and you have a copay and what started this is I had a $75 copay to go in. I had one of the big insurance plans. Well, I got an $800 balance bill three weeks later. 
Well, there's not a person in America that can understand or really truly justify balanced bills, right? So I just thought, this is crazy. And so we went out and we got, literally, we have a no balance bill clause in our contracts. And so we pay it. And so now as an employee, when I go to one of these urgent cares, I pay a $25 copay and that's it. I don't have to worry about anything else. That's really important to somebody that has less than $400 in their bank account. Yeah, and that's so right. That's how we kind of came up with it. And that's where we started. And like a lot of startups, you have to be nimble and you have to be flexible. I'm a pretty honest and humble person in the sense that I know I don't have all the answers and I've got a really good team that's pretty special. And we pivot, you know, we're pivoting for a reason and we've done really well. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask about your team. What were the things that you were looking for? Coaching an executive team is probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done. And that's why I like it so much. Tell me a little bit about how you put your team together. What were the key things you were looking for? Experience in a very specific area. But I think what's really interesting in when you have a startup, identifying other individuals that have that entrepreneurial humility that they just want to get the job done. And I'll give you an example. I've got a, a gentleman that works with us and he's one of our partners, Long Tran, and he's our COO. And this guy is a workhorse. He does everything, right? I mean, literally everything from an IT standpoint, from a operation standpoint, the people that work for him just would crawl through broken glass for this guy. And it's because he works his tail off and he's not satisfied with average, right? It's all, everything he does is above average. And finding that in a person is really hard, but finding that in a person that is willing to put in the time and effort and not say, you know, that's not something I should be doing. Right. Right. That's always the hardest part. When I first started the company, I'm not joking. I was the first one in the office and I would do the dishes every morning and I was a chief dishwasher. Sure. Right? And you just have to have that humility and get it done attitude. And so I think that's key, right? Finding that making sure that their skill set is the right skill set. Because when you're putting a team together, you can't afford to have 10 people that have the same skill set, right? You need right. very specific. The next one is the sales. You know, you have to have somebody that has not only the sales ability, but the willingness to put that into action and get it done and have the accountability and build the relationships or take advantage of their existing relationships. And so that's incredibly difficult. You've got to have that right person. I mean, I've gone through, we're on our second salesperson and I'm a salesperson, but not from this industry. So I can sell and I've done very well with our organization, but our new sales leader was from this 30 years in the space and really dug in, got it done, understood the messaging, had a bunch of credibility. So I think that's another thing from a credibility standpoint. And then the other thing is, you know, we've got my CFO is young and was inexperienced. He had a lot of other experiences, but being able to identify the fact that he could grow into that position, we had the work ethic, like the rest of us, right? Just kind of get it done mentality, but having the intellectual ability and the maturity to get it done is, is a whole other ball game. So putting together a team is really hard. And I think the biggest challenge that entrepreneurs have is because you don't have a deep bench, right? I don't have 12 people in finance that if he leaves or I have to let him go, that I can just go, oh, you know, you're the next person. 
it's really disruptive to the business. So making sure that you're able to manage that, pick the right person. And if you don't make the decision quick and move on it respectfully, but make another decision and get the right person in. And that's the hardest thing about building the team. You know, I think every business leader out there, CEO or otherwise, is probably dying for me to ask you this because you brought it up earlier. How does remote work work? How do you make that work to your advantage? Because there's so many out there that are afraid of it. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. I mean, I think it can hurt your culture a little bit because I'm the worst because, you know, my team will tell you. I'm the first one to like kind of plop in unannounced and sit down and just, I like talking to the team and just kind of seeing they're doing right. But being able to see face to face with teams or a zoom, I think has really changed the game. I've always had remote teams and in-person teams. So being able to build that relationship remotely and have the accountability, I think really the biggest thing is being able to have that accountability for people is huge. I think for us, you know, we bring people in quarterly, even our remote people that we have in Arizona and Nebraska is important. South Carolina is bringing them in to make sure that they're part of the team, but make sure everybody has their video on. Just to kind of consolidate everything and reset for another 13 weeks or so. Yeah, exactly. And just look, people underestimate the power of relationships, right? You know, as a salesperson, you really don't underestimate it because you know, But when you're in an operations or finance role, you underestimate the power of how much a relationship, whether I accidentally tick off one of our people and they say, I'm getting ready to leave. If I don't have a relationship with them, it's very easy, right? It's very almost transactional. But if I've got a relationship and vice versa, I'm not going to just go down to one of my prized people that I work with and say, you're out. I don't care because I know daughter, their son, their wife, and there's a a lot more humanity in it, right? Not saying I couldn't do it if it was the right move for the organization, but you're less likely. So I think it goes both ways. So to answer your question remotely, I think it's accountability. I think it's turning the videos on. It's don't underestimate. You still got to have those one-on-ones. You still have to communicate. So for me now, I'm just like pinging them on Teams instead of dropping in their office, I just ping them on teams. Hey, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I tell people all the time, the thing I miss about working remotely is the break room because I just pop in the break room because everybody's there at lunchtime, right? Or at break time or whatever. I love the question. I'll get a question sometime if I'm on a panel or something, they're like, how do you speed up the sales process? I'm like, well, that's easy relationship. Yeah, exactly. you could struggle for six months to see somebody to make a pitch, but somebody that has a relationship can get it done before the week's over. Yep. So tell me a little bit about the current business environment we're in and you got a fast growing company and all that, but narrow it down for me. What are the one or two biggest challenges for you as a CEO? Talent acquisition, the great resignation. People have different expectations now and, you know, where we had five job openings, usually we'd have a flood of people interviewing. And so now it's much more limited. So I think that's from a CEO standpoint or any business owner, I think that's a challenge. Well, it's, the, a, big, uh, it's a big lever in the business is the talent, right. right? I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The other thing is, in all honesty, I think this has actually helped us tremendously from a growth standpoint is the ability to do sales presentations and finalist presentations via Zoom or Teams. I think 
that shortened our sales process and allowed us to do a lot more in a shorter period of time. But on the flip side of that, you're not able to build as deeper relationships, which there's a give and a take there. I think that's, that's a challenge. Lastly, when you look at the market as a whole, it's really, even though it seems like everybody is paying more and wants to do better for their employees, blah, blah, blah. There's still the majority out there that it's hard to get them to make that decision for this population because they're worried about their senior executives or they're worried about their full-time higher salaried employees and the lower salaried employees usually tend to get overlooked. And for our business, you know, in the market, that can be challenging sometimes, right. um, but yeah, it's just the way it goes. So, you know, maybe we're not doing a good enough job. Well, you're in business to provide solutions to people and specifically in the healthcare. What do people need to know about that? I mean, what do they need to know about healthcare today? That it's incredibly important. You know, 38% of people will leave a job because of benefit opportunities. So I think that's a very important statistic. And so when you look at a holistic approach to your employees, you got to look at it from their point of view, not just your point of view. Because if I'm an HR executive making, let's say, $100,000 a year, I need to look at it through the lens of a forty-five dollars or $50,000 a year employee that cannot afford a $5,000 deductible because they're functionally uninsured, right? They're more in the short-term financial mindset as opposed to a long-term financial mindset with 401k and everything. They're trying to make rent this week. And it's interesting. I have a lot of empathy for this population, not only because we serve them, but I've got young kids that are now entering the workforce and my son's in his first professional job. And you look at rent today and you know everything is astronomical. And I got to be honest, when I got out of college 20, 20 plus years ago, 30 years, whatever it is, 30 years ago, we got out making $45,000, a year. And it hasn't changed. Entry-level salaries are still $45,000, $50,000. So, but yet rent was $600 back when I got out. Now it's $1,200, $1,400. Right. So as an employer, you know, I think it's really important looking at, from a, your employee's perspective, trying to make sure that you're taking care of their needs and addressing their specific needs. And so we spend a lot of time really addressing that we're what you would call a first dollar coverage so they, they don't have a deductible. They're getting into for their care and there's no deductible. And so that's more important than having a $5,000 deductible for something catastrophic that, by the way, statistically, you're not going to see until you're in your late 50s, early 60s, right? So it's just looking at it a little bit differently and prioritizing that because they're the bulk of the, the workforce, right? That's who's doing right. work. Right. Well, you seem like a very employee conscious and friendly CEO. It's probably just the way you come across. Like you said, you're really conversational and you have a high degree of people interest. Tell me about the things that are just a non-negotiable for you though. If I come to work for Hooray Health, there's probably a couple things you're just going to expect from me and there's no talking about it, right? There's no discussion. Do you have yeah. a couple of those? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I think loyalty goes both ways right? So loyalty, honesty is really big with me. I really zero tolerance for dishonesty. Whenever I mean, look, I'm the first one. I tell my kids this all the time. You are going to fail. You're going to screw up. Just own it. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I'll tell you that my employees, my team will tell you that with me. 
you can screw up as much as you want. As long as you're like, man, I am so sorry. I misread this blah, blah. I'll never bring it up again. Yeah. So I think that really having so that, that accountability piece is big. Accountability is huge. And I think the other thing is just really the work, right? Putting in the work and being honest that, you know, I, I think that when you're in a startup organization, you know, we've got right around 20, 25 employees now. You look at the amount of work that it takes to do what we do. And if you're slacking, somebody else is picking up that slack. If I'm in a large organization that's got 20,000 employees, the capacity is enormous, but they're probably operating, honestly, at a 50%, 60% capacity. If we're doing that, boy, we're killing certain people. And so really carrying your load and being part of the team is really important for us and participating in that attitude. I just negativity, I, you know, being a sales guy, right? I'm just positive, but <laughs> negativity just drives me bananas. Yeah. I just, I just want to slap somebody. When well, I I'm it. a, I'm a pretty firm believer that it starts at the top and the way you were describing your COO earlier, I just think when people know that something's important to you, if they respect you, it will become important to them. And so I figured diligence and hard work and all of that. I figured, yeah. man, this company's built on that. You know, the COO yeah. is that kind of guy that that's going to, that's going to flow throughout all the fiber of the rest yeah. of the organization. Yeah. I mean, I just, and you know, that caring for what we're doing, right. I mean, we've just got everybody, you know, Deb and Brittany and Julie, I mean, everybody, everybody, you talk to our team, everybody wants to do well, right. Everybody is in it for the employee. And what I mean by our customer employees, right. And Andrea has been with us so long and her, you know, our employees, you know, number one and two. Right. And so they've been with us since the beginning and they're just incredibly dedicated to what we're doing. And that's what inspires me every day. Right. Which is he wants to do what's best. And every year we improve, you look at health insurance and I was talking to my doctor the other day and he goes, Oh, you're in health insurance. And he, I'm new with this guy. And he's like, Oh, you're in health insurance. You're one of those guys. I was like, no, actually we're not. And our product started off at $99 a month for employees. Our product now is $50. And so we've actually gone the exact opposite and we're offering more benefits and it's a better user experience. We haven't had a price increase since we've opened the doors. And so we do a lot of things differently and we're just trying to do the right thing for the employees and, the money will come and yeah. you know, so will everything else. I can just tell by talking to you, you know, that you just have a pride of ownership and a pride for your employees. You're just incredibly proud of everybody that oh, yeah. is, that is involved. And that's special. That will create a special organization when you have leaders like that. We're talking with Shane Foss. He's the CEO of Hooray Health. And we're going to find out how you can find out more about Shane. You can follow him on social media and he'll tell you about his website and stuff in just a second. But before we do that, Shane, I've got a list of really quick rapid fire questions as sure. close as you can get to rapid fire that I ask every guest that comes on the show. So are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. All right. What's your best memory that comes to mind right away? Fishing with my grandpa. Oh, cool. Who's the number one hero in your life? Probably my grandfather, my grandfather, Milo. Same one or? Yeah, same one. Yeah, yeah he was an unbelievable guy. I kind of asked you a little bit about this earlier, but I'll ask it again. What's the top value, core value that you subscribe to? Loyalty, honesty. Who's the most important person in your life? I would just say my family is my most important person. You know, my wife, my kids, they're the ones that mean the most to me. Good. What's your wife and kids' names? 
Priscilla, Taylor, and Isabel. That's great. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Spending time with my family. What's your favorite food? I love Mediterranean. Oh, love Mediterranean. Most beautiful place you've ever visited? I would say Hawaii, quite on the eastern side of the island. That's awesome. If you could describe success in one word, what word would it be? I would say loyalty that you get from everybody else. You're building uh, quite a career and quite a life and quite an organization. How do you want to be remembered? For my attitude, kindness, the volunteerism, you know, the work that we've done down in Guatemala. Oh, great. If you could go back and talk to a young Shane, what advice would you give him? Be patient. (laughs) Success will come. Sounds familiar. What's your favorite sound? The a pure golf shot right in the center of the face. Oh, yeah. Yep. Out of all the lessons you've learned, what's the best lesson? Just be kind to people. Be genuine. My grandfather, you know, he just, I'd never heard him speak an ill word of one person he ever introduced me to. And I used to hang out with him all the time. He was my best friend growing up. And, and I think that that positivity and that kindness to everybody, I think really goes a long way. And people recognize that right away. Very similar to mine. Both of my grandfathers were entrepreneurs, had their own businesses, Mm -hmm. and they just constantly said, take care of people. Yeah. Just take care of people. Shane Foss, Hooray Health, and he's been our special guest over the last half hour or so. And I'm going to let you go because your time's valuable. You've got something else to go to here. But tell everybody how they find out more about you and your company. Yeah, absolutely. You can find us at Hooray, H-O-O-R-A-Y health.com. You can find me on LinkedIn if you want to speak with me direct. But yeah, I really appreciate the time, Tony. It was a really good conversation. This is one of the best podcasts I think I've had in a long time. Oh, good. Thank you. Talking more meaningful stuff. Well, we uh, we hit it off pretty well uh, before we went on air. We got to talk about Kentucky Lake and, and mm-hmm. your experiences there and your time in the Midwest and all. So I feel like I've made a new friend. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. I'd like for you. I know your schedule's busy, but maybe you could come back sometime. Absolutely. Anytime. Just schedule it. I'll be all back. Right. Shane Foss, the uh, CEO of Hooray Health, stand by. I've got more on Better Than Before coming up here on the C-Suite Radio Network. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Shane Foss. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I'm sure that you did too. 
Now I've got three key questions that you can use for self-coaching or for journaling or just to conjure up some thinking. And I'll give you some of my thoughts on these questions. Here's a key question. Number one, are your business meetings productive? And I've been talking a lot about this, especially in our execution segments that we've been doing here on Better Than Before. We've been talking about execution rhythm, and we've been talking about how you structure your meetings, what the content's like, who's supposed to be there, how they should flow. I've also been writing some blogs about it because I think as you tune up your meetings, you also can tune up your execution effectiveness. And so every now and then, you just have to stop and ask yourself, are these meetings we're having, are they doing what their purpose was established to do? Are we making progress? Are we executing? Are we moving the needle? Are we gaining ground? How could we change them? Because remember, people don't hate meetings. They hate bad meetings. Key question number two, can you resolve self-issues quickly rather than having to continually rehash the incident? This depends a little bit on how you're wired as a person. If you're bent more toward analytics and more toward thinking rather than, you know, so if you're introverted and you're more analytical and you're bent more toward thinking, then you are more disposed to continually rehashing something, rehashing it, rehashing it, and you can get caught up in the doom loop of woulda, coulda, shoulda, and you only really got to go over that once or twice. And then you need to do one or two things. You either need to settle it or you need to talk it through with somebody else who can give you some insight or prompt you to get kicked out of that doom loop that you're in of continually rehashing the thing over and over and over. That can happen whether or not you're reviewing something that's happened or you're thinking about a direction you want to go or decision you need to make. So after you've gone through that cycle a time or two, you have to purposely kick yourself out. And this is where self-awareness is such a critical skill where you can kick yourself out of that loop that you're in and either settle on your direction, settle it in your mind, or get somebody like a coach or somebody who's a professional who can intervene on your behalf and help get you back on a productive flywheel cycle and out of the doom loop. Key question number three, what are the core activities which further your productivity and your success? So I think everybody needs to be in touch with this because it changes all the time along with your current situation and your current environment. You've got to be in touch with the 80-20. What are the 20% of your activities that are really key that you typically spend 60% of your time on that really move the needle? And that's what you really need to know is where am I most productive and most successful and stay in that competency circle and not get bogged down with all these little tactical issues that aren't really going to matter one way or another, whether you do them today or you do them tomorrow or you did them yesterday or you do them sometime during the week. I'm talking about daily things that are really high payoff activities that you can focus on. And it's really important to have that. That's why one of the things I like to journal about every morning is what are the three big things, my three big priorities I'm really going to focus in on today? Because I might do 10 or 15 things throughout the day, but there are usually about three 
that really are the levers that move my business and my life forward. Well, that's our show today. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and also come join our free Facebook page, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. Both are free and chocked full of big ideas, key questions, and a lot of my other thoughts that could be a lot of value and really helpful to you. Special thanks, as always, to our producer, Tessa Hall. And until we come back next week with another episode of Better Than Before, just for you, I'm your host, Tony Richards, Master Coach, reminding you, that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.